I'm going to ask the question, how will you stand in this hour? Um, and I just mentioned just how this church already has been getting and receiving such powerful impartation. We've been receiving the gospel of grace being sown into us over and over, and it seems like each Sunday is better and better, and we receive more and more of the Lord. And so we've been poured out richly in the Word, and we've also been poured out upon richly in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Amen? And that's for the purpose of equipping the body of Christ to do the work of the ministry. Okay, it's equipping us, building us up so that every member is standing firm and every member is operating in what God has called you into. It is not just a few individuals. Every person has gifts, has callings, um, and he's given you. And so, mm, amen. <laughs> amen. He's calling us into exponential growth in our souls that we would walk in triumph. So how will you steward what is given to you? And what I mean is given to you is the treasure of the truth of the gospel. Okay, how are you going to steward this? There is obviously great opposition in the world to the word of God. There is opposition to the people of God because you have an enemy. But today we are going to deal with this measly little pest called the devil. Uh, we're going to feast on the truth of Jesus uh, and heat burning coals on the heads of our enemies. Amen? what scripture says. By doing good and <laughs> resting in the truth, we heat burning coals because they just can't understand what's going on. So have you learned to dance on the head of your enemy? <laughs> Sounds a little funny. But uh, the living God has said that he has put all things under his feet, right? And he has given him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he's put all things under his feet, and he's given that fullness to his bride, and we are to walk in that same authority, uh, that all things are put under our feet, so every word and situation and circumstance that comes against you is under your feet. Amen. Hearing the word of God is a delicate matter. Jesus said, be careful how you hear. We need to hear the word of God with expectation that what God has said is good and he will always honor his word. Yeah. Because every word that proceeds from his mouth is 100% true. There is no shadow of turning in his word. There's no uh, corruption in his word. He cannot lie, it says. So we need to expect that it is true and expect that it is good and that he will back his word up. Yes. So how are you going to handle the opposition? I want to bring a word of encouragement today, a word to realign your long-term vision. The enemy would like to get you focused on something right in front of your face that you literally lose your mind that Jesus has given you and begin to think utterly ridiculous, crazy, stupid, complete lies, okay? Because <laughs> you're focused on something right here so that you will lose your mind. But Jesus has given you the mind of Christ. 
uh, you need long-term vision of the glory of Jesus filling your sight so gloriously that the immediate does not compare with the glory of what Jesus has given you. And so as I begin to prepare, um, this scripture jumped out at me because this is what I feel. Beloved, and you don't have to turn there. This is not our main text. Uh, Jude 1.5 says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Amen. So it's time to contend earnestly for the faith of the gospel. Yes. The gospel that is settled and will not change. It said it was delivered once to the saints. It's been sealed, the truth of the gospel. So the word of God is not yes and no, but it is yes and amen in Christ Jesus, right? Yeah. He doesn't change his mind. Amen. Um, it's true today and it will be true tomorrow. We need to learn to contend for the gospel in our own lives. Not in the power of our own strength, but in the power of his sustaining life. You know, it's one thing for me or for Tim or David or a guest speaker to declare and expound the word of the truth of the gospel. But it's necessary that you take it, that you own it, that you dig into it, that you wage the war with it yourself. Um, what are you going to do with it on Monday and Tuesday? How will you allow the truth to continue to flourish throughout your day today? So, really, we just we lean in, okay? We lean in to the truth of the gospel. Lean in to the goodness of God. Lean in to His eternal promises. Throw yourself at His mercy and grace. Do not lean on your own understanding, right? But in all ways acknowledge Him, and He will lead you. So, today we're simply going to lean in a little further. Psalm 23, 5 and 6 says this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord Forever. So in the very center of opposition, in trial, in difficulty, in the middle of lying tongues, trying to get you to doubt the goodness of God and the trustworthiness of God, he is setting a table for you. He's already fired up the grill and cooked the choices of foods just for you to delight in. Right? And be filled with joy. Okay? Jesus is at rest. Okay? He is at rest and he is enjoying preparing delights for you. Okay? He's enjoying this whole process of setting the table for you, getting to see you enjoy what he has done. You can enjoy this table now in the middle of difficulty. In the middle of seeing promises fulfilled. In the middle of waiting. You can enjoy Jesus now. Okay? 
I, one of the, the biggest lies of the devil that we want to crush right now is that you will only see joy when. When you get to the other side of your difficulty. Okay, You can only experience fullness of life when you get the job promotion. You can only experience victory when you see that family member get their lives together. Right? You can only experience joy when your husband or your wife gets it together. <laughs> okay? Gets in line. I'm not saying that those things aren't real. They aren't there and they don't hurt sometimes. But the lie of the enemy is to keep you from enjoying him in the middle of it. In the presence of your enemies. That means they are very close. Okay? They are right around you, and they are whispering in your ear. Okay, These can be literal people, or these can be the, the prince of the power of the air that's whispering things all the time and speaking through other things all the time. Okay, So it may seem like you're surrounded, right? right. But Jesus, right? I have set a table for you. I want, I want to come and dine with you. I want to anoint your head with oil. The overflow of the Holy Spirit flows out of that. Right? He's given us the Holy Spirit. My cup runs over. Okay? And I believe that some of you need to begin to say this. My cup runs over. Okay? My cup runs over. Right? That needs to resound in your mouth, okay? To declare the goodness of the Lord. My cup is not dry. My cup runs over even in the midst of my enemies, right? So can you own that for yourself? <laughs> You've got to own it for yourself today. You overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. So I want to show you today uh, just how much overcoming power you have in Christ today. You have breakthrough power dwelling inside you. Uh, you may be looking for breakthrough externally, but the external visible sign of breakthrough is not what gives you the power to persevere. Not seeing it happen is not what gives you the perseverance and the power to overcome. Perseverance comes from what Jesus has created inside you and me. What he has done. And that cannot be stopped or squelched or put out. So let's look at this breakthrough power that you have. And this is one of our main texts in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Uh, earlier in this passage, uh, I wasn't going to read the whole passage, but it says, you know, gird up, therefore gird up the loins of your mind. It's like picking up the, the scraggling parts of your garment so that you won't trip over it, pull it in tight, and, and fix your full attention on the grace of God. Don't let your mind be wandering in all these parts and being distracted. Gird up the loins of your mind and fix your attention on this. And starting in verse 18, knowing this, that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold 
from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. But by the precious blood of Jesus, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So the enemy is constantly trying to get you to put your trust in corruptible things so that you get disappointed and miss the table that is set before you. Okay? Get you off track and put your hope and confidence in corruptible things. Verse 20. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. 23. Here it is. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and imbibes forever. Because all flesh is grass. And all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The gra grass withers and the flower fails. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And then Peter, he's quoting the Old Testament there. And then he comes in and says, Now this is the word by the gospel was preached to you. So this word that we're receiving is the gospel. This word that causes life to come forth. And he sends forth his incorruptible seed. Now, this is really profound and we need to grab hold of it. For those of you who have been born again, you have been born of an incorruptible seed. Amen. That means a seed that is eternal, that cannot fade, that cannot degrade, that cannot tarnish, that cannot grow old, that cannot decay. Okay? Uh, Jesus is the seed, okay? He is this seed that Peter is speaking about. He is the incorruptible seed, the Word of God, he calls himself. The gospel is the message of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. So when you hear the gospel, you are given the opportunity to receive uh, the seed of eternal life, to land on your heart and produce an incorruptible life from the inside out. Right? So the seed of God, which is the living word of Jesus, lives incorruptible inside you. This is why you can't lose. Okay? He's incorruptible. You can't lose. This is not up to you trying to win. This is what Jesus has done. Mm. This life produces a transformation of glory to glory. Okay? This is the new covenant. How much trust are you putting in corruptible things? And how much trust are you putting in the incorruptible seed that's been placed inside you? How much are you investing in corruptible things? The level of your peace and confidence and joy is in proportion to your awareness of this incorruptible life that dwells inside you. Okay? It will manifest outside. And I'm preaching to myself just as much. Amen? 
We need the gospel. Let's turn. First John uh, three eight says this: He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his his seed speaking of Jesus, his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. So what is this saying? This is speaking of a continual pattern of life, of sin. Those who are born of God do not continue in the pattern of sin because the very seed of God is in them. And Jesus will certainly never lead you into sin. He will never, he himself will never sin, has never sinned. So your very nature has been altered and there's a new engine inside you producing righteousness, joy, and peace. And through that, destroying the works of the devil. And then in John, chapter, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, well, just a minute, before I go on, just take note that the devil is the origin of sin. <laughs> Did you catch that? The devil is the one who started it. He is the one who introduced sin. Okay? And he has sinned from the beginning. From the beginning of creation, there he was, already rebelling against God, sowing his lies to Adam and Eve, right? Verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, 1 John. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him who is begotten of him. Verse, skipping down to verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that, had, that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So you have overcoming power dwelling in you, and because you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, He's put that His seed in you. He's not going to lead you into sin. He's not going to lead you into defeat. He's leading you into a devil-destroying power that dwells in you. Okay? You overcome by believing who he is and what he has done. The real question to settle is, are you born of God? <laughs> are you born again? If so, you overcome. Amen. You overcome the world and all that is in it, including the devil who is relegated to this world. And, and we know that the devil can't, can no longer go to heaven. Okay, He can no longer pass from heaven to earth. He's been cast down. He's been expelled. Um, and he is now roaming around here. And this is his domain for a short time. So, but you, on the other hand, can dwell in heavenly places. Jesus said he has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And that he has made us to sit in heavenly places. Okay? So you reign above. The devil no longer has any authority to enter heaven anymore. 
But Jesus says that you have been made to sit in heavenly places. So you, you're above, okay? You are above whatever his lies try to throw at you here. You are reigning above him in authority. And you need to know that so that you're not duped by his tricks. For those who may be wondering, am I born again? Or have uh, or already said in your heart, you know that you know that you're not born again. I want to read another passage. And also this can encourage us also who do know the life of God dwelling inside us. Amen. We want to turn to John chapter 3. Previously, right in uh, chapter 2, it said that Jesus did not commit himself to any man because there were people that were starting to follow him because of the signs that he did. And they were gathering around him. But it said at the end of chapter 2 that he did not commit himself to these men because he knew what is inside of man. He knew the nature of what is in man. And I find it interesting that he closes chapter 2 on that note. He knew what was in man. And again, in the original manuscript, there's no chapter divisions. So he knew what was in man. And then he flipped chapter 3 and says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler. Okay? So he was speaking, here is a natural man. And he's thinking in natural terms. And Jesus is wanting to give him some vision Right? To go beyond this natural, go beyond what is in man apart from Christ. So there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs uh, that you do unless God is with him. So he's recognizing some things. He's on the outskirts. You can, you can be on the outskirts. You can recognize that, hey, God is moving here. God is working. I know this is real. I know something's going on. But you're on the outskirts wondering, what is this? And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So without being born again or born from above, all the things that I've been speaking about today will seem strange to you. It will seem as to you as something that you may try really hard to grab at. You may try really hard. Oh, I think that's good. So I'm going to try to make my life fit into that. Um, but that won't do it. You must experience this life to be able to enjoy its beauty. So verse 4, And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? A totally natural, totally natural thinking. Totally not cluing in. Because this is what's in man, flesh. And verse 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. And in another place it says flesh and blood cannot inherit 
the kingdom of God. So your natural life that you were born with does not automatically inherit this supernatural life. You have to be born again. So what is Jesus saying about being born of water and the Spirit? And although I believe that Jesus is pointing toward baptism as an outward sign, I believe there is a more foundational truth to what born of water means. I believe Jesus is pointing to the aspect that the Holy Spirit washes a believer completely pure and gives them a new heart in new birth. The Spirit washes away all sin of the believer and presents the born-again believer completely pure, completely holy. And the reason I think this comes from these few scriptures that I want to share. And in other places where it talks about being born again, the other word that scripture uses for it is regeneration. This is the process of God taking a dead person, dead in trespasses and sin, and making you alive to God. Okay? This is called regeneration, or being born again. Okay? You're dead. You weren't just sick and needing of a little healing, a needing of a little patching up, a needing of a little fixing up to make your life better. No, Scripture says you're completely dead, spiritually dead, needing resurrection. So Titus chapter 3, verse 4, you can write it down. You don't have to turn because I'm going to list these, show these three scriptures I want to share. It says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So this is the washing of the water of the Holy Spirit in the process of making you alive to God. It's exciting. And the prophet Ezekiel also saw this many hundreds of years before Christ came. He was looking forward and prophesying about the new covenant that was coming. So in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25, he says this, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. For this, he's speaking about what Jesus is speaking about right here, about being born again. He will sprinkle you with clean water. He will wash you in the Holy Spirit to make you completely pure. He'll take out your dead heart that is a rebel against God, that can't hear God's voice, that doesn't know God, that can't relate to God, that can't have eternal life. And He'll give you a brand new heart that loves Jesus. And you can't stop your heart from loving Jesus if you're born again. Your heart loves Jesus now because He's given you a new one through the incorruptible seed. Amen? 
And again, just to confirm this, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 11, he says, and he was talking about all the, the revelries and drunks and, and adulterers, and he goes and says, and such were some of you, yeah. right? Yeah. Such were some of you, such were all of you, okay? Yeah. All of us were these things, okay? And he says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, past tense, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Okay? You were washed and completely holy, completely pure, you've been justified and made righteous. You've been sanctified. We talked about this in the last college group about sanctification. You've been, he uses past tense here, you have been sanctified, which means that you have been taken from where you are in the world, living according to the world's rules, according to the world's ways, with uh, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes, operating your life. You've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness. You've been placed in the kingdom of light and the son of his love, right? You've been sanctified, which means you've been set apart for the purpose You've been made completely different than the world, given purpose that your life is now a demonstration of the glory of God, a demonstration of His grace. You've been set apart, sanctified. Now there's a process in which our minds are being renewed, in which sanctification has happened in us, but our minds are catching up to what has happened in our soul, in our spirit, man. And so our minds need renewing. But we've already been set apart. Okay? Mm, it's good. So this is such good news. There is nothing of your past sins or failure or shame that carries through the new birth. He has washed you totally and given you a new living heart. A heart that delights in pleasing Jesus. A heart that is able to see the beauty of Jesus and all that he is. Baptism in water is an expression of the spiritual reality that has taken place in new birth. The washing of regeneration by the Holy Spirit, the death of your old sinful nature, and the resurrection of eternal life given to you in Christ Jesus. And obviously, if you believe the truth of the gospel, you will get baptized. <laughs> because he commands us to be baptized, right? So if you believe, we, we act because we believe, all right? And the reason we act and we do is because we've believed already. And so we're going to get baptized. And it was especially important baptism to these Pharisees and these Sadducees in the time when John was coming in. And he's introducing this thing called baptism, okay? And he's saying, there's a whole new thing coming. It's not like the pattern of the law in which you present sacrifices and offerings. Uh, this is something totally new. So repent, be baptized in water, prepare a way for the new covenant. And so it says in Luke that the Pharisee, the scribes and Pharisees rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by John. Because John was coming, he's saying, I'm pointing to the Messiah who is coming. 
I'm baptizing you with water, but there's one who's coming and he's greater than I. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Okay? So these Pharisees, they rejected John's baptism, meaning they rejected also Christ. They rejected the will of God. They rejected the Messiah who is coming. So baptism is important, okay, in receiving and following the Lord. But this is the washing of the Holy Spirit that makes you completely new. So what is Jesus saying about... Um, so what Jesus is saying that you must be born of water... Oh, I've been reading the Bible and not in my notes. So let's pick it up. I do want to finish this passage. Uh, John 3, verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you... And that word you is plural. He's speaking to Nicodemus, but this word you is plural. So he's saying, do not marvel that I said to you all, you must be born again. He's not just speaking to Nicodemus, he's speaking to every person. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said, how can these things be? And Jesus said, Are you a teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. And you do not receive our witness. Why is he speaking in plural terms? The witness of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right here, okay? He's saying, the Holy Spirit is going with me in these signs and wonders. They're bearing witness of me. The Father spoke at my baptism and said, This is my beloved Son. This is our witness proclaiming this truth, okay? If I tell, told you earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So this is just foundational truth right here, right? Um, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven, right? He's seated in heavenly places, even while he's on earth ministering. Right? He is still God in flesh, <laughs> seated in heavenly places. So as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Probably the most quoted scripture in the Bible, but granted, it's worth it's worth reading, <laughs> it's worth meditating on. And in verse 18, um, 17, for he, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. So He's not coming ministering condemnation, as many like to minister. He is not the minister of condemnation. He is the minister of lifting off condemnation. Okay? Why? We'll, <laughs> we read it here. Uh, that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned. Present tense. Automatic. You're not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. It's not that what Jesus says is condemning them. They're already under condemnation. You're outside of Christ. Um, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, 
And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Uh, he's not saying even though the law does condemn you. And the law, breaking the law, those who are outside of Christ are under the law. But here he's saying the condemnation is that this beautiful light called Jesus Christ has come into the world. He has made a public display of his glory, his beauty, his deity, and he is light. And so all who reject that light are simply condemned already. He is the light. Come to him, believe in Jesus. Everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may clearly be, then be seen, that they have been done in God. Yeah. Because his seed is now placed in you. Your deeds are now in God. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. And the life that you live, you live by faith. And so your deeds that you do are now in God. There's nothing to hide. There's no shame. And he's taken all shame away. Jesus calls you to come out from a place of condemnation into a place of no condemnation. He has made this life available to you by living the perfect life for you, going to the cross to experience all of our sin and the weight of the wrath of God for us, dying and rising on the third day, and he ascended so that he could pour out the Holy Spirit of promise so that you can be born of the Spirit, receive his life, in you and be transformed and set on a completely different course of life. So if you've never experienced this in your life, there's going to be opportunity this morning. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. There's opportunity today to experience this. And I believe that I was supposed to hammer this because God wants to give you life. Amen? The water of the Holy Spirit is for two purposes. He comes to wash you completely clean and then He comes becomes a well of life in you. Okay? So he becomes a well of life. And I want to look at a passage to illustrate this well of life from one of my favorite passages in Scripture. But before we get there, John 7, 37, Jesus said this, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those who believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So man, we've entered into something so much greater so when you understand fully that you have been born again with incorruptible seed and washed and made just and holy, just as holy as God, you have access to the full resources of God himself. You can be a force of supernature, right? Meaning above nature, above the natural. You have not been redeemed with corruptible and natural elements of this world. So that you can reign above natural circumstances. You are a well. So I want to look at this picture of what it looks like to receive this water and go out. In John chapter 4, verse 6. 
Um, you know this story well, but I'm just going to share a few parts of it. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Now, I love how Jesus works. He knows how to ask the right questions, right? Um, questions are, <laughs> questions of the Lord are the key to so much breakthrough in your life. And we need to be paying attention to the questions of the Lord. If you look through Scripture, you know, God asked man a lot of questions. Number one, he says, Adam, where are you? <laughs> uh, to Jacob, he said, what is your name? To Elijah, who was hiding in a cave. Elijah, what are you doing here? Right? He loves to ask questions. So what questions are, is Jesus asking you lately? Are you paying attention to these questions? That's just a little side note. Okay, verse 9. The woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his livestock? So Jesus is saying, If you only knew that the incorruptible seed is standing right in front of you, and he has this gift of the Holy Spirit to give you, and you would ask him for this living water. And Jesus, verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into eternal life. So the living water of the Holy Spirit will become in you a fountain springing up. This fountain gives you eternal life and it also spills out and draws other people into it as well. And you know the rest of the story well. She realized that Jesus was the Messiah. She drops her, her corruptible water pot, right? She leaves it there and runs into the city, right? Her temporal, natural water pot she leaves because she found something better. She's declaring... To the city, you know, come out, come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And the whole city, right, comes out to hear Jesus for themselves. And then they say, you know, now, now we believe this man Jesus, not because just what the woman said, but because we hear him, we see him. So Jesus is in the business of exchanging your the corrupted wisdom of this world for his incorruptible life and truth and joy. So 
So let me say this. Every truth of the gospel found in Jesus has a contradicting lie sown into this world. It's, it's in the world, okay? There will always be another word that will try to sow doubt to what Jesus has said. It's going to be there until that nasty little fellow is thrown into the fire, right? It's going to be there. But if you're born of God, his seed is in you, and he has defeated every lie. He has defeated your enemy. And I don't know if you know this, but the first, the first prophecy, the first messianic prophecy pointing to Jesus in Scripture has to do with Jesus defeating the devil. It's found in, in Genesis 3.15. You don't have to turn there. But when God is proclaiming a curse over the serpent, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, speaking of Christ. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Bruising the head of the devil means crushing his authority, the authority that he stole from Adam. Jesus took back for man at the cross. In Colossians, Paul says that Jesus at the cross, having disarmed the principalities and powers, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Not only has the incorruptible seed triumphed over the devil, but he rubs his victory in the face of the devil all the time. Okay, over and over. He says, let me show you how I can take a broken people, a messed up people, people that rejected me, uh, how I can take sinful people, make them completely holy, yeah. without sin and spotless, wow. and demonstrate my grace yes. over and over and over and over. And he gets to celebrate his victory. That's what he makes. He leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus because he knows what he has done in us. Amen. Let's stand. And I'm going to just kind of close with a few questions to, to wrap this up. Jesus was made a disgrace at the cross so he could lead you in triumphant processions. <laughs> Amen. So just as we're wrapping this up, I'm going to sum up with these questions. What are you using to stand against your opposition? Are you so focused on your opposition that you don't see the table right in front of you that Jesus has made for you? Are you putting trust in any corruptible things? Have you realized the value of the incorruptible seed of God inside you this morning? And simply put, are you born again having heard this? Have you been washed and received the Spirit? You're a fountain because of this. And if you've received him, you are a fountain. And we're to walk as fountains in this culture and in this world and in, their, in our day-to-day -day life. Father, I just thank you, Lord Jesus, for the gospel. I thank you for what you have done, Lord Jesus, yes. that in the midst of any trial and difficulty, Father, you have placed something in us that cannot be squelched, that cannot be put out, Lord, no matter what circumstances we see with our eyes. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have been born again with incorruptible seed. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the well, for, for washing us, Father, with the Holy Spirit. 
making us completely holy, completely righteous, and completely made new, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the fountain of the Holy Spirit that you have made us, that we can influence those around us, Lord Jesus, because of this fountain of life that is in us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I ask that you would uh, cause every person, Lord Jesus, to get their eyes off the circumstances and begin to focus in on you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you would build up and encourage every member to stand on the word of God that does not fade, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we make war, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, not with carnal fleshly means, but by the Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise your name. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for breakthrough, Father, in hearts and minds. Lord, that the breakthrough comes when we lean into you and trust your word and believe what you have said. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise your name, Lord. You are worthy. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If, if you are one of those who have not experienced being born again, who have not tasted this life, I'm just going to invite you to come on up. <laughs> invite you to come on up and simply uh, confess Christ and receive new life. If that is you this morning, we're going to make opportunity for you to receive the living God. So don't be ashamed uh, to come up. We're going to be up here and pray and receive Jesus. <laughs> it's not complicated. You simply believe the truth of the gospel and he'll give you life. He says, anyone who comes to him, he will by no means reject or turn away. He's not going to turn away because you think like you don't have things together. That's exactly who he welcomes those who don't have it together, so that he can give you his life. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. If you like... Okay. Amen. Amen. Uh, if you have other prayer needs, we're going to be up here uh, to pray for you and believe this morning. So I'm going to dismiss you, but if you'd like to come up and pray, please come on up, and we'll be up here to pray. Amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.